0: You know that moment when you had something that you needed on your desk and then you decide to organize and clean your desk and that thing that you need is gone? Yeah, me neither.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by Component 1, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to Widgmo.com and check them out. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 79 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel we have AJ O'Neill.
0: Yo, yo, yo. That's your life from Provo.
1: Jameson Dance. Hey, friends. Joe Eames. Hey there. Merrick Christensen. Hey, guys. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and just want to remind you to go get my uh, freelancing video at goingroguevideo.com. We also have a special guest this week, and that is John David Dalton. Yar! Hello. Yar! <laughs> I think that's a first.
2: Awesome. <laughs> it's very JavaScript y, though. Yeah. Mm, very true. Thank very you for that. Totally.
1: Me. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, do you want to introduce yourself?
3: Uh, Sure. So, um, as you said, my name is John David Dalton. I am the creator of Lodash, the JavaScript uh, low-level utility library. I'm also a co-maintainer of uh, JSPerf, Benchmark.js, which powers JSPerf. Uh, I'm also a a Chakra performance PM at uh, Microsoft. So, I help uh, make uh, the JavaScript engine in IE faster.
2: I, awesome I can't picture a better guy for that job.
4: I didn't know about that last one. I knew about yeah. JSPerf and lodash and stuff, but I didn't yeah. know you worked with IE. That's cool. I do. I work uh, right. with uh, engine guts
3: all day. Uh, my my uh, bread and butter is uh, doing a lot of benchmarking. So every day I I keep tabs and all that stuff.
4: Awesome. So I want to. I think we're going to talk about lodash most of the time. I want to just talk about JS Perf for a little bit. It's amazing for testing out things. I know I've I've seen lots of people, not lots of people, I feel like I've seen some of the implementers of JavaScript engines warn against micro benchmarks, and they're kind of like, they mean JSPerf, but they don't want to call out JSPerf specifically. <laughs> like JSPerf is an awesome tool, but they're, they're warning against people making decisions about structuring their code based on running this tiny snippet of code in isolation for like a, a million times in a row.
3: It's, it's tricky when you get into to benchmarks because sometimes you do need a micro benchmark. JSperf doesn't help you make a good benchmark. So there's lots of bad benchmarks out there. Sure. Um, and so the danger of, of doing micro benchmarks are the fact that engines are pretty smart and they'll detect like dead code and empty loops and things like that. So you have to be uh, smart about what you're testing. But, uh, you know, more times than not, I found it to be very useful, and it uh, it actually does reflect if a given snippet of code is faster. Um, there's sure. a lot of stuff in there that's goofy though, like they'll test double equals versus triple equals, oh, or yeah, single quotes that. versus double quotes, or you know, goofy stuff. Yeah. But, well, we
0: all know that triple equals is faster.
3: <laughs> well, right? it depends. It depends uh, <laughs> if you have the same type values then double equals should technically be the same because it's, it performs the same number of steps. Now, engines do all kinds of goofy stuff behind the scenes, but the, the spec steps are, are the same. Well, so, I,
0: I think there's one question that the audience is going to be really keen to want to know, and that is, is it faster to
3: plus plus one or to one plus plus? Oh, my gosh. Thank you, uh, man. Yeah, I one of the hundred million of them out there. I,
4: so, so, so <laughs> one
3: of the things I did with with Lodash was to avoid a lot of the the micro optimization myth in the library. So I did things not because they were were faster on a JS perf, but because they are are my kind of style. So, for example, I don't use triple equals everywhere. I use it when it's necessary. So I use double equals when it's necessary. Or I do uh, I don't sit there and use a, a reverse while loop because it got a better JS Perf score. I use the one that I think is more readable. Um, so I try to kind of push back against that. There's, there's some people that use void zero because they think it's faster than undefined, and I, I don't do that. So a lot of the micro-optimization stuff, I kind of just ignore and go for the bigger the bigger Perf gains, which usually revolves around reducing abstraction. That's where I get the biggest gains. I mean, it helps engines inline better. Um, and overall, you'll get better performance. Just just remove, and it, with with functional libraries, though a lot of devs like to compose. And so, the secret is is in the library that's the the base, like your core low level library. Reduce the abstraction there, and you'll get better performance. And So that's what I do in Lodash.
5: So, so when just, when you uh, avoid the micro performance gains, why are you doing that? Is it religious belief?
3: No, I just I I don't want to because Lodash is is kind of promoted as a performant lib um and people know that I dig performance. Um I kind of want to lead by a good example so not get hung up on these these micro-optimizations that really don't impact your performance of of most javascripts. And so I just I use what is is technically correct for a given scenario and I try to keep the superstitious stuff um out of the code. So it's it's not like uh, religious or anything. I just I know that uh, some things don't really matter, and so I don't I don't put that in the code.
4: So to kind of sum up all this stuff about JS Perf, it seems like to use it well, you you just have to be. I mean, it'll tell you what's faster, but it doesn't matter if the while loop is faster than right. the and other so, loop so, if, unless it's in a hot loop in your code, right? So, right,
3: and so it, we it gives you kind of all the information you need to know if it's a good or bad. Uh, test or if it's even relevant for your use case. I mean, if something is, is 80 million versus 20 million, chances are both are going to be very fast. That's 80 million operations per second versus 20 million operations per second. Sure. Uh, chances are in your everyday code, it's not going to make a difference. Um, and so you can you can kind of weigh that against your actual use case and then decide if it's relevant for you or not. Um, also, there's there's margin of error that it displays, too. So it lets you know if there's some kind of weird engine issue. So, for example, if your GC is kicking in or if you had something running in the background that was interfering with your test, you'll get larger margins of error that, that pop up and, and uh, reduce your score or inflate your score. But at least you have a red flag there that says, hey, something odd happens. So, but, uh, yeah, I use the uh, the operations per second just to kind of as a real-world sanity check. And like with Lodash, I've tried to kind of move away from performance being the thing that that it headlines with because that's not why I created the library. It was just kind of the the icing on top. Um, and uh, you know, some devs say JavaScript performance isn't my bottleneck, and that's that's fine too. But I think that uh, in in a low-level utility lib like Lodash, keeping things as fast as possible there, uh, without going overboard, uh, benefits
4: the users that build things on top of it. So. We've danced around Lodash a lot. Do you want to talk about what specifically it is in case there's someone in like some cave that hasn't heard of it? Sure.
3: So Lodash is another word for underscore. And underscore is a low-level utility library. And Lodash is a fork of underscore that has become a superset of that utility uh, library. And so for those of you that may not know what underscore is, underscore uh, was developed about four years ago and took off in a place where things like PrototypeJS and MooTools had a foothold. So it's, instead of extending native prototypes with methods, they bolt them onto the underscore character. And so it's underscore.each, underscore.map, underscore.filter. And as time has gone on, I've seen issues crop up where devs' needs aren't being met. So for example, inconsistencies in older browsers, inconsistencies in API... Backwards compatibility issues pop up, uh, and I had uh, tried to do the the open source thing, which is you know do a pull request, submit issues, uh, and eventually that did not look like that was going to be enough. And so I did a talk at uh, JSConf last year, and uh, the the title of the talk was the hidden cost of natives. And from there, basically, when I run JSPerf. I see. I also keep track of the Twitter feeds, and I see a lot of devs saying, "Wow, I didn't know that a, a for loop is faster than Array for each, or Map, or Filter, or or Index of, or Bind." You know, all these uh, vanilla JavaScript implementations of native methods are actually faster than the native methods. Uh, so in that talk I gave, a lot of examples of that. And so then I thought, well, I could probably apply this to a utility library. And so then I started working on on Lodash with the big thing of ensuring that it's consistent behavior from your oldest supported browser to your newest supported browser. So one of the things that, that I try to solve is like object iteration and array iteration in older IE is now consistent even with the newest browser. So no matter what you're using, you'll have the same behavior, and which is it's really handy for, for devs that have to support that older environment because the debug tools – aren't as great for those older browsers. And having to dig around your code to spot these inconsistencies which don't reproduce on newer browsers is, is a pain and cause devs to you know, cry. Um, so I, I didn't want that. I want something that is consistent. Uh, and so that's why I, I created Lodash. Um, and I can get into like the nitty-gritty on what the inconsistencies are, but there's blog posts on that and videos on that too. Um, but it's basically consistent object uh, iteration array iteration uh, for all environments. That's why I created it. And then it's just kind of exploded beyond that now with custom builds and additional methods and modules now. So yeah. So
4: some of the changes that you made in lodash have actually made it back into Underscore as well, right?
3: So I kind of like the,
4: the days when libraries would compete against
3: each other and try to outdo each other. Uh, like I remember when Sizzle first came out, so the selector engine that jQuery uses, and Dojo would say, oh, hey, I've got a better selector engine, and they would come out, and then Mutools would go, hey, wait a minute, no, I've got a better selector. And they would each kind of go back and forth outdoing each other. And so I, I, w- I hoped that when I would le- release Lodash, that Underscore would do the same. They would say, oh, snap, I've got to go and up my game here. But that really didn't happen. They kind of just they, sat there. Uh, so I've started to try to pull them along because it helps developers. If If Underscore gets better, it helps developers. If Lodash gets better, it helps developers. So I've tried to to help developers by, by pulling underscore up too and submitting issues and communicating with the devs. Like I've got one of the, the core devs on my instant messenger and I ping him anytime there's a bug I find or whatever and trying to get underscore to to get better as well. And so right now I think we're, we've got over 30 plus issues that, uh, that Lodash has fixed in underscore. Um, and are responsible for a couple of the, the minor version bumps that fixed issues along the way, including, like, a 5.1 or 5.2 or something. So,
4: yeah. That's really cool. That's It's cool that you can be competitive but still help out, like, your competitor, in air quotes, you know? It's not yeah. like, screw those guys, <laughs> like grind their faces. Well, in I mean,
3: I mean, the, the reason I, 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 I forked anyways was to, to help devs, and so being kind of abrasive or kind of toxic doesn't, doesn't help devs and no one wins in that scenario. So, uh, this way at least devs get a better utility lib if it's low dash or underscore. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's kind of difficult at times though, because it is kind of hard to draw the line with, all right, now I've got a competing lib. How do I balance that with, with helping underscore out? But I think I've, I've done an all right job at that so far. So. I'll keep doing it too until they, uh, <laughs> they don't want any more updates, but I've been, I've been kind of diplomatic about it. So. Yeah.
1: I think it's really funny though. I don't know of any other projects that have a, a sort of competing project, a project that, uh, actually pushes, you know, they're, they're pushing ahead on their competitor in, in this way. I mean, there are, there are projects that I know of that do, that solve the same problem. They just solve it in a different way. So when they forked, they have, Effectively said, well, we like this much about it, but we really feel like this other, you know, thing is, is, you know, more important. And so when they fork, they don't maintain compatibility. They just say, well, use them or use us. And, uh, with you, you know, your, your API is consistent or, you know, mostly consistent. I, I, I haven't really looked with underscore. And like, like we said, you know, you basically have this fork of underscore that, that you use to push it forward, and I just I really haven't seen that approach in any other projects to push them forward like that. Well,
3: it's uh I'm kind of in a really cool position because our API is so similar, and uh, it really is a a true fork of of underscore. If you go back through the commit history in GitHub, it it eventually becomes underscore. But uh, we're at the point now to where it's not a drop in replacement. That's why I maintain the underscore compatibility build. so that's always there. But um, yeah, I'd like to see where this goes. I, I hope that they pick it up and, and kind of push back a little bit with some features and stuff because that's, that's fun to me. I like, I like the competition. I like um, trying to outdo someone. So right now it's kind of one-sided. I've kind of stacked the, the, uh, the features against them. So now they've got to push back and, and hopefully uh, make a better live out of it.
4: So I, w- I wanted to talk a little bit about the performance stuff. You said the reason you made Underscore – or sorry, Lodash – was – because of some of the compatibility issues with older browsers. Yes. But the reason, so we use Lodash at work instead of underscore, and we switched to it because it's faster. That was like the buzz that we heard about, and we tested it out yeah. and it made a difference. So can you talk about the performance? I mean, it seems like that's as big of a reason for people to use it sure. as Sure, yeah. So
3: stuff. one of the things with, with Lodash is that you can have your cake and eat it too. If you like small files, we've got modules. If you like performance, we've got the speed for you. If you like consistency or, or older browser support, we've got that too. But with the performance, that came out of trying to create a poor request for underscore that met Jeremy's needs. Basically, uh, the the restriction was he he would put in cross-browser consistency for older browser support if it did not hurt performance. So that was my challenge was – how do I add more bug fixes and increase performance? And so I did that by reducing abstraction. So basically, you'll have a method in underscore that calls like uh, each and then uh, maybe has and then a few other methods all in a, in a loop. And so that just your call stack just keeps building up and up and up there. And I've tried to reduce the abstraction there to where a lot of things are just a simple loop or I avoid things that, that – uh, that engines have problems optimized in a way, like dot .call and dot .apply in a loop. Yeah. I, I hoist those out. Um, and so I've I've kind of taken a different approach. Because I do deal with performance in my day job and as a hobby, I, I know what are the native methods to use and what are the native methods to avoid. I know what patterns to use, which which uh, give uh, JavaScript engines hints uh, that can help them optimize certain exa ex- operations. So that's that's kind of what I've done with Lodash. I started off using method compilation, which kind of scared devs away a little bit at first because it uh, was this big string that uh, is is a big template of functions with with bug fixes. And so basically, the idea is is that uh, for any given environment, uh, it the the core methods only contain the bug fixes for that environment and not for anything else. So that means like modern Chrome doesn't get bug fixes for IE6. And that was intimidating to look through because it was this big template. Um, and so I've kind of uh, moved away from that and kept that inside the raw source, but on the targeted builds, it's compiled away to just regular JavaScript. So they don't see that. But the, the big secret there is to just remove abstraction and to be smart about uh, the methods I use. So it's not about like avoiding all native methods. A lot of devs think that it's avoiding all native methods. It's not. I like. I use object.keys when it's available because it's faster than a for loop with has-own-property checks. And I do test. Uh, we are one of uh, the few JavaScript libraries that have a performance suite along with the unit test suite that I can track performance with each release, uh, compare performance from build to build, from unminified to minified, to underscores, uh, to... The modern to the compat build, and so I, I get and can track all these variations on performance, and know when I'm regressing something, or when I'm have improved something.
4: That is so cool. Yeah, that's that sounds really cool. Does that catch just is that it's for sanity checking? So like, oh, I changed something, and now the minified version is a lot slower, or is it just for well, doing so incremental th- improvements? That uh, was actually a happy
3: surprise. Uh, I a lot of devs don't know or, or may not think that it's obvious that. You know, minified code dramatically changes your code. And the idea with minified code is that it's not supposed to change your performance profile. Uh, But every once in a while, I've seen bugs creep into Uglify.js or uh, Closure Compiler that trigger deoptimizations in certain engines. And so I actually, in my build step, I undo some of the bad patterns that are injected into the minified code. So the actual produced the minified code that I produce doesn't have those uh, slowdowns in them, and I wouldn't have found that if I didn't have the minified code uh, be able to be to benchmark that and compare that in my suite. I actually that, that was an accident. I, I I tried it out and I caught the the performance regression, and I uh, was really surprised by that. So now I, I, it's one of my things I do uh, before every release uh, is just to keep a check on that to make sure I'm not regressing there. But yeah, I I do that with uh, performance and and uh, unit testing. I've got it to where I can test uh, with the one unit test file. I can test legacy m- modules, uh, AMD modules, Common JS, uh, Node modules, npm modules, the legacy build, the the modern build, the mobile build, the strict build, all these builds in multiple environments. So in Node, in Ringo, in Rhino, in Norwall, in R- and Rhino with the require flag and uh, it's, I, I, dig that. I like being able to cover all my bases with a performance suite and a unit test suite that just works everywhere.
1: So what do you use to actually do those tests? Do you have your own, uh, performance testing library or do you tack onto the top of like QUnit or ja- Jasmine or whatever?
3: I, I use, uh, QUnit, but I have a library called QUnit Clib, uh, which is the CLI boilerplate. Um, and that allows me to run in all these other environments, like, uh, for, for Rhino. It adds a set timeout and set interval and clear timeout and clear interval um, because that doesn't exist in in Rhino and so that allows me to to run across all these environments. I use QUnit because that's what I had at the time. It's not like because it's the best for a given framework. I've I've kind of sunk into it and it works in all my environments and so I'm using it. Uh, I use QUnit with a Jasmine style so I liked. The, the structure that Jasmine gave me uh, when I worked for Uxibo, and so I've taken that and applied that to QUnit. So I I, I write QUnit in a Jasmine style, and um,
4: yeah, so that's that's how I handle that. So I have some questions about performance optimization in general. I mean, you sure. you've built a career on that, right? How how do you go about making something faster in the abstract? It sounds like you I mean you just reeled off a ton of topics when you talked about how you made it faster. But say you. Right. You don't know all that stuff, and you're just looking at some code trying to speed it up. What, what do you do?
3: Right. So the, the first thing you do is profile it. So in your, in your dev tool, I would run your application or your, your snippet uh, and see what f- functions are slow or are costly, and then start digging into it that way. For my case, I know that uh, Lodash is a low-level utility library. I also know which methods are popular. And so it gives me kind of a, a narrowed scope of what functions I should really pay attention to versus which functions I can let slide on performance. But for, for, for normal JavaScript performance issues, I would say, you know, use a profiler, see what methods are being called the most, see where all your time is being spent, and then dig into that. And that's where JS perf would come into. Cause then you'd say, okay, I know this function is hot. I know something's going on here. Let me compare different techniques. Of implementing that function or that snippet of code, and then you can use JS Perf to say, "Okay, I've reduced the function calls here, and now it's better." Or I've reduced dot .call and .apply, and now it's better. Or I've hoisted things out of the loop, and now it's better. So that's that's where I would get the the kind of the indication that there is an issue is to start off with profiling and then narrow it down uh, with JS Perf or any other benchmark uh, utility you can use. I know devs use like console .time even so. You could even do that if you
4: if you needed. I hear like the disgust in your voice for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no,
3: it's, it's uh, you know I've tried not to be uh, one of these devs that are like my way or the highway because it doesn't help devs out there. That's why I was I'm big into like uh, with lodash it's it's we're not prescriptive about how you use it or how you ingest the methods. But one of my my biggest boosts to to lodash's popularity was to enable AMD support. Turns out, AMD has a terrific following. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> really,
1: that's and that's why uh, Merrick got the tissues. Yeah, and, <laughs> and
3: just adding a little bit of support, which was came down to like four lines of JavaScript. Just the the amount of enthusiasm and the loyalty of those uh, devs is is crazy. And so I I don't think that same with with like browsers uh, uh, browserify. I I support that too because. If you're saying I only like one narrow piece of of JavaScript, then you're cutting off a whole group of devs, and then they 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 end up having to reinvent the wheel or use uh, a fork, uh, which may not be maintained as well and may not follow as you know a strict release cycle as the original. Um, and so I wanted to avoid devs having to do one-off things like that. Um, and the same thing with 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 benchmarking too. I mean, if you don't like JSPerf and you like your own lib, as long as you're profiling and you're actually looking at perf and keeping a tab on it, then that's that's a win. I would love if more libraries shipped with performance libs or performance suites of their library just to keep tabs on it, just to know if there's going to be a regression. Even if it's not keeping tabs on the competition, just keeping tabs from like release
4: to release, um, which is what I use it for mainly. Sure. I feel like I see lots of specific... Performance um, information about individual features in some libraries, but it's never like overall. This is the speed up of the whole thing. It's it's we sped up this specific operation. Right. Um, but I really like one of the things you said about looking. So so in lodash, you said you you know which. Functions are used more, so you spend more time on that. I think that can even apply to applications too, right? Like, right. who cares if the site, if this chunk of the site that no one ever uses gets a hundred times faster? If no one uses it, that doesn't make anyone's life better. So that's right. a, I hadn't thought about that before.
3: Yeah, I mean, so that's why I spend like one of the first methods I optimized was like the, the each method because that's used everywhere, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't regress there. Um, but then I started optimizing all the other methods surrounding it because there's there's very targeted methods that are very popular for certain kinds of data manipulations. So like uh, the difference unique and methods like that I've gone ahead and optimized too, but I've optimized them for their kind of their edge use cases which are uh, incredibly large data sets, so like really large arrays. I've made sure that these methods perform well with large data, which is it's kind of interesting cuz now I've optimized the common areas and now I can go off and optimize the edge behavior as well.
1: So I have to ask how do you know which ones are the ones that people use the most I mean are you using a highly technical technique like talking to people or do you have some other way of knowing that
3: <laughs> No it, it it's uh, I get it from a couple of different pieces but like you'll you'll see which methods are being benchmarked on uh JSPerf so I can keep tabs on that and see okay I see a lot of people doing array iteration or object iteration or DOM selection or something, you know, d- different aspects of that, and then you you kind of get the feeling if you if you do like a, a code search, you'll see how many times these methods keep popping up over and over again, and then you do you talk to devs and you you can figure out that oh hey, I'll do a sanity check every once in a while and say hey, what are your favorite APIs? I, I did this on Twitter a couple times too and said hey, just shoot me your most commonly used lodash methods, and then you know I get a bunch of replies and then, all right, all right the more you know, I start tallying up all right, which methods people are, are interested in and then make sure that I keep those fast. Also for me it helps with – I do have the, the competition of underscore and so I can make sure that I don't regress certain methods they are fast at. So I make sure that I'm always on top of uh, some of their methods. Sometimes I can't be but in generally I try to make sure I beat them uh, on performance.
2: I got a question for you. Sure. There are some cases where you've actually added features to Lodash that don't exist in Underscore like curry comes to mind. Are you worried at all that Underscore might implement curry but use a different signature in which case you're kind of in trouble?
3: So now that we have the Underscore compatibility build, that really doesn't bother me as much because we can always keep compatibility there. So like right now, underscore Lodash is not a 100% drop-in replacement unless you use the compatible build because we do things like we allow you to exit early out of uh, each. If you return false, it exits early just like jQuery. Our, our clone method, shallow clone method, clones data objects and regexes, which is something that underscore doesn't. And so there's lots of little differences there. And so if they were to do that, I would just make sure that the underscore compat build was compatible with them.
2: Got it. Very cool.
3: Yeah. And now I try to, I try to encourage a conflict free API. So, like, at one point, the at method was being discussed to being added to underscore. Uh, and you know, we have an at method in Lodash. And so I, I kind of made sure that, um, that could be avoided. <laughs> so it's not like I would bring it on, like, say, hey, yeah, bring in all the API conflicts, because that makes it harder for devs that are trying to build uh, libraries that work with both Lodash and Underscore. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've made some patches to Lodash to support common patterns that Underscore devs use uh, because I've seen some libraries say, well, hey, we want to be able to just say use Lodash or Underscore and things will work. And so the more API conflicts you have, the harder that is to do.
2: Got it.
1: So do you have, I know this is a hard question to answer, but do you have any idea of how many people are actually out there using Lodash?
3: So I, I keep tabs on the NPM stats, uh, because they're, I found this really nice site that allows me to do that. Uh, it's gonna be one of my picks for today. And, uh, it's called NPM Stat. And I, I can see there how many people are using it. So currently, Lodash is downloaded on NPM about once every two seconds. And by December, we'll have over a million downloads a month. And so I, I think it's starting to pick up. And I can look at the trends from month to month and see that we're just, it's basically just a vertical uh, line on, on adoption. So we're gaining, every month we're, we're getting more and more users. Um, so I think it's just getting devs aware that there is an alternative that is faster, more consistent, has more features. So getting the word out has kind of been the, the only obstacle there. Um, usually, if there's been an issue where a dev can say, I like this because Underscore does this better, I've made sure that we cover that in Lodash and make sure that we we do it better or we we provide an option for them in Lodash. So um, I think from that side, uh, we are gaining popularity. Uh, we just beat uh, Underscore actually on the daily downloads on Monday, and then we beat them again yesterday too. Uh, so we're starting to get to that point to where we're we're starting to pass Underscore in its own turf of npm, that's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm really really excited about that too. I uh, it surprised me how lodash kind of went from being in the background to just skyrocketing in use. I don't know if that's because the stats got better or or what, but I, it's I bet crazy.
2: You, I think I think like the adoption of Grunt, you know, yeah. and some of those other things really helped. Which is
3: which is interesting because Grunt is still using a pre 1.0 version of lodash. Uh, so that's going to be a big win whenever they can get to the point to upgrade that too. Um, but Yeah. (laughs) yeah, it's, 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 uh, I, I can't believe, uh, the, the adoption. I'm very thankful for the devs that have taken a chance on it because a lot of devs, they kind of see if they, if they don't dig into what Lodesh is, they think it's like a me too library where it's just. It's a fork and all it's got is performance and they don't dig into the consistency or the features or the modules or the custom builds or the documentation. And so I've had – that's why I've started trying to shift the focus away from performance because performance was great for getting the word out initially. But it's so much more than that now that I have started to drop it from the keywords and started to kind of stress it less because it really is about the – Consistency and features and the yeah. performance is just the nice, nice to have. On yeah, top.
2: I mean, like like the deep clone, for example, is just something that's so useful that yeah, I, I don't and, think you can even get from underscore. Honestly. And you
3: know, a lot of these features I get because they were asked in underscores uh, issues and then closed over and over and over again. So devs would continually open these issues saying, "Hey, what about this feature?" and then it would get closed. And then another dev would say, "Hey, I really like this." Feature want this feature. And so that's kind of been my roadmap for, for Lodash is to see what are the features that devs are asking for but not getting an underscore and then implement them in Lodash.
0: So do you have like um, a hook into the GitHub API where every time somebody opens an issue on uh, underscore, it you just get like shot in the back of the head with a Nerf dart?
3: No, I uh, I manually check up on it. Like uh, every day I check on it uh, at least once once a day just to kind of see where it's at. It's I, definitely not as cool as having a GitHub hook. No, no it's, it's not as cool as having a GitHub hook. <laughs> um, but no, I, I do, I check in on it uh, just to see uh, what issues are being uh, opened. I also check like Stack Overflow and a few other places just to see what are the questions out there. And, uh, what I've started to see now is that devs are starting to refer to underscore as underscore slash Lodash. Like, instead of it's becoming like one name, underscore slash Lodash.
4: Uh, and I, <laughs> Gnu, I dig that. i uh, am
3: yeah, I've also started seeing them use, um, say underscore, but use Lodash syntax for things, which is a little confusing. <laughs> but, uh, we have, uh, for example. Wait, what do you int- mean syntax? Difference. So we have, uh, we have intuitive chaining in Lodash, which means you don't have to call the chain function to get chaining. It just, if you, if you use the, the Lodash function and you pass it a, a collection or a value, then it just assumes you want chaining. So basically, if you use Lodash like jQuery, it's going to assume you want chaining because why else would you be using it like that? And so I've seen devs kind of use that syntax and refer to lodash slash underscore even though it, that, that syntax will not work in underscore. So, so that's one it's, of the, it's one of the features we
4: have. It's really interesting hearing you talk about this competition because there's, there's so much competition, for example, in browser MVC libraries, but it seems like they don't, maybe because they're coming at it from such different... Uh, places that they all have really different strategies. So that, so they don't maybe kind of motivate each other and learn from each other as much as underscore and Lodash just because you guys directly forked. Is, is there any general lesson you think that library in, implementers can learn on, on how to deal with competition, even if they're not between like API compatible things? Does that make sense?
3: I, yeah, I think competition is great
4: and I,
3: I really get into it, and I like trying to to one up. I, th- I treat it like a challenge, where it's like, "Oh yeah, you can't get it as fast with the cross-browser support. I'll show you. I'll get it faster." And then you know you work <laughs> at it and work at it, and you get it. Or they'll say. Well, you know, you have this, but now your build is three times as big. And I'll say, Oh, yeah, well, I've got custom builds now. So, wah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think if you have fun with it and you, you enjoy it and you don't see them as like this, I don't know how devs would, would get it in their head. Arch nemesis. Like, Arch nemesis. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, I mean, I love it. It's all things used to help devs. So, like, I'm building a library to help devs and getting into, to, to super big arguments about, uh, that kind of stuff doesn't really help anyone. It just, it just feeds like the trolls. And so I try to, um, try to, to stay positive about it. And so like, uh, every once in a while, I'll see people come across my Twitter feed and say, wow, you're really trolling underscore or something. And, uh, I don't, I think it's because I'm the cheerleader for my lib that it may sometimes seem like that, but I've never been like, I've never called them names or, you know, said that they were we're stupid or something like that. I've always came at it from a dev perspective, like, is this helping devs? Is this hurting devs? Is this going to allow it to be used in more environments or something like that? Um, so I, I've tried to keep it positive. Also, um, I think that uh, knowing if you make a mistake, that to just own up to the mistake and fix it fast, um, that's what I do. Like, I if someone finds a bug or if someone calls me out on something, I don't sit there and showboat about it, or or try to like stand sure. on my, like like with this thing with I, I'm always thinking about like the the semicolon issue, in bootstrap or
4: something. Aren't we all?
3: Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> we all know it's faster <laughs> to use semicolons. Well, you know,
3: with that the the end. You how I would have ended that was adding the semicolons helps devs because some minifiers broke, and so for me I would say that falls into my is it better to to help devs or to say no change your code and i'd say no it's better to help devs so i i i think if if you fix your mistakes fast and are willing to adapt then you'll you'll do you'll do well so like i've learned from J, uh, from underscore too like there's a couple of things that they've done where i've gone wow that's crazy cool so like uh with their zip method at one point they had unzip which was uh using zip internally to unzip and that blew my mind. And so now I've done this too. And um, yeah, I just, I, I think you can always learn from them. I'm, I always look at, I've also looked at other competition too. Like uh, there's a, a, f- a library called Mount and there's other like utility libs out there. And so I've kind of, I, I look at them to see like what cool things I can implement. So for example, on our roadmap is lazy evaluation because someone forked underscore and Lodash and created their own lib called lazy js where they use deferred evaluation of chained methods to get performance gains so instead of doing um, like map dot map dot filter where it's 200 iterations 200 iterations and then 200 iterations to filter down to a collection of two they defer all of that and compose it in a way to where you reduce the iteration count and get significantly faster performance and so on my roadmap is to adopt that kind of technique for the chaining style because one, it's, it's, they boast as being faster than Lodash. And so my competitive side is like, okay, I've got to address that need there. And so like with, uh, with Mount, they were the module lib. And so I made sure I covered that case with Lodash as well. So now you can get Lodash spliced up into AMD modules or NPM mo- packages or node modules in all in one repo. Uh, so yeah. I think it just, a lot of the, uh, what is it? The NIH not invented here. You gotta just kind of let that go. There's other libs out there that do things really, really well. And now with the code becoming modular, you you can just tap into little bits that of these libs that do one thing and do one thing well. So
0: I, I like how you said that um, – this was a little bit earlier, but you said how you optimized for edge cases where the edge case is a really large array. And I think that's really cool because, like, a lot of people – I don't know. If you tell me you're optimizing for an edge case, I'm thinking like why would you do that? But it makes it makes sense. Because it turns out the BOGO sort is just as fast as any other sort until you hit about seven items and then it starts to get really slow. You know? So yeah. if you have little so What I
3: well, what I noticed is that is that I started seeing like conference talks about large data and then issues being reported about performance issues with large data. And I've always looked at uh, JSPerf again. It's kind of like my, my finger in the air where I can say, uh, what, what is uh, the current trend on performance issues? And so there was a, a lot of performance tests being created for large data. Um, and so I figured I could, I can optimize this. I can get this to where we do it really, really well. Um, so if you do happen to work with large data, um, or like, you know, if you're using D3 and Lodash, you can iterate over these collections faster or do like a unique or uh, other kind of operation, uh, speedy, with with large data. So basically what we do is we detect a – I profile to detect when the, the large array optimization would actually benefit users, and that's when it kicks in. So across multiple browsers, at a given number, uh, that's when I kick in uh, the, the large array optimization. There.
1: So I guess my next question becomes, let's say that I've built an app, and I'm using a lot of JavaScript on the front end. How do I test the performance? Say I know that it's slow, but I'm not sure what's slowing it down. How do I how do I find out where the problems are?
3: So then you would you would profile your code and see which methods are being hot. Yeah, someone says didn't we already ask that? I, say, I think you did, but yeah, I, I would just say profile your code, figure out what methods are hot, and then go from there and narrow it down.
1: But uh, I, I guess I I'm looking say for more specifics.
0: HTTP requests.
1: Uh, I, I guess I'm looking for more specific. So, do you plug in uh, JS Perf at that point and start looking at what it's telling you, or
3: no? You use the profile data to to figure out what methods are hot, and then then you take those and you can break them down from there. Uh, JS Perf would be used for if you want to compare different implementations of, say, a slow method. So, for example, I've seen them do this with, I'll just say, like uh, Backbone's event triggering implementation. Uh, they compared the versions of its performance from one release to the next to a future patch to improve performance. And so they'll have – they they know it's slower. And so then they'll compare different implementations of it to see which one is fastest. Uh, a lot of times when you present, hey, I'm going to send a pull request to this lib to make something faster, they'll say, hey, give me a JS perf of that to to validate what you're doing is actually going to make a significant difference. Uh, so that's it's used to – like a sanity check in that way.
4: So JSPerf can tell you how long something takes. It can't really it it it's good for small chunks of code when you're trying to determine Correct. the difference between them. It's not like find me what is slow about this code. It just tells No, you how, no, how it just it
3: basically takes. tells you it, it just tells you which which uh, snippet is faster, snippet A or snippet B or snippet C. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all it does. And so to yeah. narrow it down you want to use your, your browser dev tools to to profile
4: to figure out where your, your hotspots are. So, you have mentioned some specific tricks uh, when we talked about performance before, like pulling things out of loops or not using apply and call um, or not not using some natives. How do you develop that knowledge? do you Do you just need to learn about the different engine implementations and and what things are slow? Is there a good so, resource for learning all that stuff? Oh, that's a good question
3: i've I've gotten that from experience. I don't know if there's a good resource that just lays all of that out for you, which is why I would say it's handy to use a utility library like Lodash that's got devs that are so in tune with performance because you'll know that what they're doing is, is on the mark. But yeah, I, I'd say it comes from experience. I've, I've kind of am lucky because I can follow the, the JS perf tweets and mentions and look at the tests that are popular. And kind of see where people are, are spending their time, and then I'm also lucky because I do work with JavaScript engine internals and can know at least you know from IE side or from Chakra side and from uh, the com- competition side you know what they what they optimize for and things like that. So it, it kind of helps me there too. But uh, for for devs looking for resources, I'm not sure where a good list of all of these things are i mean that's what i do with my js comp talks has been like hey here are some features you can here are some things you can do to speed up your code uh that's what my last js comp talk was where i kind of went through several of these techniques that you can use to speed up your code and um i've, I've actually am using all of them in lodash so i guess i would redirect to my js comp talk for this year <laughs> yeah do you gonna throw a link into
4: into skype in there i guess you can uh, find it later
3: Yeah, I'll find it, find it later. Basically, my slides are really bare, so I also released a screencast with it that kind of walks you through the optimizations too. So I'm still, I'm still waiting for my, uh, the official JSConf video to be published, but I've had the, the unofficial one out almost since I got back from JSConf. So, uh, that's up too. So I'll shoot a link, uh, there. And it basically covers just a lot of things that you can do in your code. So it doesn't even have to be to to like library code. These are techniques that you can do with any of your production code or, or your code that will give you better performance.
2: I, I kind of wanted to go a different direction and that was to sure. ask about these environment-specific builds. Do you have plans for, or does it exist already, maybe like a Lodash that'll wrap streams? You know, something more node-specific?
3: No, actually that hasn't been brought up. So far, we've just done builds for, uh, for um, like older environments and newer environments or mobile. But I haven't, besides having the npm build and the lodash node build, which targets the uh, node specifically, I haven't done any other kinds of builds around that. Got it. Uh, I'd be interested in an uh, in an issue though or a feature request. I mean, I'm I'm very flexible with adding features. Um, especially because I do have a custom build, I'm not as locked into being torn about adding a specific API because if you don't like it, um, you can always create a custom build or use the module build or one of the, what, what is it, hundreds of variations <laughs> on the build uh, to create something that you'll you'll dig.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: So one question that I have about performance, you talked a little bit about some of these mythical optimizations that you can make. How many of the things that we hear on a regular basis are provable to perf- improve performance versus, you know, the ones that aren't?
3: So a lot of fall down to to use case, but I, I'll tell you the ones I've avoided. I've avoided void zero. I've avoided triple equals. I've avoided reverse while loops or, or any kind of for loop magic where they say, no, it's this way, plus plus I versus... I plus plus, you know, um, I've avoided that kind of thing. Uh, really what it comes down to is for me, the biggest improvement is just reducing your function calls and getting that, that out. I've seen some other ones too where they'll say, uh, string concatenation versus using an array and join. But a lot of those, those benchmarks are missing the fact that engines nowadays will defer the string concatenation until the full string is evaluated. And so these, ben- these benchmarks, these JS perfs are testing the wrong thing. And so they're not really showing you what, what the actual performance is going to be from using like string concatenation. Uh, and I think it's cool that the engines do this in the background too. So basically when you're doing all of these concats, it doesn't create the final string until you do something like a regex that iterates over the entire string. Until then it's, it's separate string snippets. And, um, when you use array join, that that forces the flattening of the string right there because you're creating the string with join.
2: Sure. Yeah.
3: Also things like uh, a switch statement versus if-else, if else. Um I found that that the the switch statement really helps for mobile, like Safari Mobile specifically. But other than that, it's it's really not a big deal. Um, I found some some very specific like Safari mobile optimizations. Um, so for a while I avoided object.keys In Safari Mobile because it was slower, Uh, but that that was just the work of profiling. But it made enough; it was like thirty percent slower, so it wasn't just like micro optimization level slower for me at that point. But then again, you know, you JS perf and you see like is this millions or is this this hundreds of thousands or thousands or hundreds of operations per second difference, and you can you can make a judgment there. I would say use the uh, uh, the ops per second measurement on JS perf to give you a sanity check on if this is really
4: going to matter. I think another thing that you have talked about a little bit, but haven't just come out and said, is that these optimizations often make your code uglier and harder to follow. That's true.
3: They do, they do make it uh, harder to read. So that's why there's kind of like this balance I do with, with, uh, with Lodash to try to figure out, is the performance gain worth devs going WTF over the code? And so that's, that's kind of what I did with method compilation. You know, In the beginning, I compiled all the things, and then I got devs that actually you know, would not use Lodash because of method compilation, because it was too cryptic and hard to read. They, they, they couldn't grok the source and then trust the source. And so I pulled that back. And in doing so, I probably lost a little bit on, prefer, uh, on performance, but it wasn't enough to make a, a big difference. And so uh, increased dev readability and still found a balance with perf. So it's a balancing act, I'd say. Only do something super cryptic if you know it's going to really help. So like Backbone does something in their, in their event emitting code where they have like, if you pass an uh, argument's length of four, do this. If you pass an argument's length of five, do this, or six, or seven, or eight. And it's this really unrolled logic. Um, and I'd say, you know, only do that kind of crazy stuff if, if you can show really big perf wins and comment the heck out of it. So even in my, my method compilation, I added a ton of comments to it just so devs wouldn't be as intimidated to look at the, the given chunk of code. Hmm. Wise words.
1: All right. Well, any other thoughts or questions before we get into the picks then?
2: I have none. <laughs> <laughs> I have some feature requests, but sure, I can, yeah. I can make those on GitHub. Oh, okay. Cool.
4: We'll put him on the spot.
1: <laughs> there we go. How would you implement? I'm just uh,
3: I don't do live coding. <laughs> I, so, so uh, I just saw in the chat that they said uh, async, and yeah, I, I want th-
2: async. <laughs>
3: I think you know there there is an async library for Node, and it's it's fan it's fantastic. So I would say they they are probably well suited for that
2: need. Oh, uh, I meant. I'm sorry. When I said async, I I meant sometimes when you're doing really large like DOM operations, you have to chunk them on the next turn of the event loop. Yeah. So Lazy JS does this really cool thing where uh, you can put in an async call and then a take, so it'll call that function every fifty or whatever times until oh, it's out. Yeah, it's pretty nice. cool. All
3: right. I'll look at that then. Yeah, I'm. I'm like I said, the next step for me to compete with Lazy would be the. Uh, deferred evaluation
1: on the chaining syntax cool all right well let's go ahead and do the picks uh aj you want to start us off
3: yeah so first of all
0: i'm going to pick John david dalton and i'm going to dedicate this song to him
5: did you
3: ever know that you're my hero wow that's happening
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, where's
5: the edit button uh
1: no kidding
0: Hey, it wasn't that bad. I was no, it wasn't. That was,
5: it was, it was all right. Do we have the Thank same you. bleep that you get for live TV swearing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so other thing, uh, other things. So uh, I, with my DJ company, I put on a ball and it was really cool because if you've ever seen the greatest movie ever sold, this is kind of like the greatest ball ever sold. So I ran around to all these other companies that are in like the wedding reception industry or in the... Uh, young single adult industry, and got them to sponsor almost the entirety of it. And so I want to give a shout out to a couple of the companies that helped me out that are nationwide, because most of them were just local here in like Provorum. But Home Depot, they were really cool because they let us use a generator for free, which we needed for a food truck. Sam's Club actually provided a lot of the utensils and whatnot. And then Carrabba's gave us a, uh, basically a date night package to give away to the winners of one of the contests. And so actually Sizzler did that too. But anyway, so I'm like super happy that um, there were really cool managers that were into putting on a free event for young single adults in this area and, and making something that was fun and classy because, my, one of my missions with my DJ business is to make more classy stuff because things just aren't classy enough anymore, you know? Anyway, end of rave.
1: All right, Joe, what are your picks?
0: Uh, all right, I've got a couple, three picks here.
5: Uh, the first one is the new TV show that just uh, started up, The Michael J. Fox Show. Uh, I really enjoyed watching it. It's pretty funny. It's not quite as funny as Big Bang Theory, but it's still quite enjoyable to watch. I'm also going to pick Skin It!, .com. skin is a company that produces vinyl uh, sticky skins for all kinds of devices. I bought one for my first MacBook Pro. I just bought another one for my MacBook to give it a little personality. I know that the rage is for everybody to throw stickers on their MacBook as if they're a race car driver. <laughs>
1: I've never heard it said that well, way, but I really yes.
2: Do. Yeah. <laughs> you really Rice explore it. Uh, sponsored open source. Right, right. And John David Dalton could probably get some money putting stickers on his laptop before he yeah. speaks. <laughs>
5: yeah, probably, probably. But um, <clears throat> I think that uh, something that looks a little bit nicer and represents some part of your personality versus just selling out to the corporate machine – <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I have no problem with those stickers, but I really like Skinner. I, thought, I think it really made my MacBook look nice, and everybody knew which MacBook was mine at work. So uh, Skinner.com is my second pick. And my last pick is going to be Noticed, N-O-D-I-S-T. Um, Noticed oh, is yeah. basically NVM or N for Windows. So it allows you to run multiple versions of Node and switch between versions, which is an absolute necessary because Node and other libraries love to break each other. And so being able to switch to a version of Node that actually works is just absolutely necessary. So I'm going to pick Nodist. I think it was a great project somebody threw put put up together so that Windows people get the same love that non-Windows people get.
2: Which which project did you pick? NVM or Node? What was it?
5: Nodist. N-O-D-I-S-T.
2: Do you know if uh, N from TJ Holloway Chuck works on Windows?
5: It does not.
3: It does
2: Yellow.
5: Not. Yeah. So noticed.
3: His what about vision. what about the one from Isaac? Uh Navi, I think. I don't know. I mispronounced. But uh he's got one too. And so I've switched from in to that one.
2: I'll probably um, switch to that one if that's yeah. just because uh, he, the nature of him feeling responsible for node. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I don't know. Um I just did a Google search with reasonable search criteria and that was what
1: came up.
2: He says it is readme. It will probably never work on Windows. <laughs> All right. Okay, so those are my picks.
1: Awesome. Merrick, what are your picks?
2: So we had the pleasure of interviewing Reg Braithwaite on his book JavaScript Alaunge, and he actually made that book open source. So that repo is definitely one of my picks because that book is now free and it isn't an, it's a terrific book. The second pick I have is actually this Chrome is behind a flag introduced a dialogue element, which I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's interesting uh, having these kinds of high-level UI elements implemented by browsers. I don't know if they're going to go the way of alert where nobody ever uses them or if people will find a way to extend and use these elements. The APIs are a little bit wonky right now. For example, they're using show and close instead of show and hide. So I kind of wanted to try and direct attention at some of these implementations to get people to be able to give these guys more feedback because it would really suck to have a poorly implemented dialogue that no one could use. Hmm. And the other pick is 1Password. They released an update. It's 1Password 4 now, and it's just terrific software for managing all your passwords. I use it. Yeah, same. I
3: I love it.
1: Yeah, you have to have something like that anymore these days
3: it's uh it's come it's created some interesting conversation because i'll say hey i use one password and then someone will say it's not a good idea to use just one password for everything and I'll go, <laughs> that's... No, i'm talking about the software
1: no way really yeah that's funny so true all right yep. uh sure go ahead
3: all right cool so uh my pick would be uh one of them is cdnjs the maintainers are, are fantastic. They respond to issues and feature requests. Uh, they're working to get, uh, Zopfly, uh, support. So you can get even smaller, uh, CDN files. And I, every time I release, I always push, uh, do a, a pull request, uh, to them to update my, my libs on the CDN. Um, so that's, uh, one. The other pick would be modules of any kind. So AMD, ES6 or CommonJS or the Node style module. So if you're if you're digging like Browserify, go for it. If you now's the time if you're going to to do it to use modules and no matter what what kind you like, go for it. And um, there's always cross compilers to go from one format to the other format to to back to to raw JS too. What so. do
2: you prefer?
3: Oh boy. So I it took three months to to add module support to Lodash, and so I got to learn. A lot about the issues with AMD but it was really issues with circular dependencies in my own code so I'm going to stay out of that fight and just say I support all modules (laughs) 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 because I don't you know
2: tell me me in chat what you would do if you started a new project I'm just so curious
3: (laughs) no so so I I mean I have UMD so my that's the first thing I add to to my lib is the, the the UMD support, so it works across multiple kinds of module loaders. Um, and I've uh, in fact in the the last uh, release or so, I've, I've even beefed that up a little bit to be to to support even more uh, wider ranges of shims that people are using to support these these various module loaders. So uh, yeah, I I would say go UMD if you can, and then create targeted builds. Um, but if you do if you do choose one, just you know, look at having the, the cross-compiler there for the other format. Because, again, if you're, if you're choosing one, especially if you're a lib dev, if you're choosing one to hang your hat on, you're closing the door to a lot of other developers. Um, but as a, as a project, I would say uh, use the one you're comfortable with. As long as you're using modules, I mean, you're going to get the, the same kind of benefit uh, from it. If you're If you're more comfortable using Node and Browserify, that's great. If you're more comfortable with AMD, that's great. Um, yeah, or I, ES6 and transpiling over to regular JavaScript. That's great.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I totally agree. The the
3: last pick I have is for that that NPM stats site. So I'll post a link to that.
1: Awesome. All right, Jameson, what are your picks?
4: Uh, I have three picks today. One is music. It's an album called Ask the Dust by Lorne, L-O-R-N. It's like organic, bubbly, electronic music like dubstep without the obnoxious parts of dubstep.
2: You better know. not be talking about the drops because those are the best part. Oh, my
4: gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you and Skrillex sitting in a tree. Okay, so that's one of my picks. You should check it out. I'll, I'll leave it up to you to decide whether it's obnoxious or not. But I like it, and I, I don't like the really screechy grinding gears dubstep. The next pick is a JSConf talk called Optimizing for Developer Delight by Rebecca Murphy, I think. And it's just about how it's some things that an engineer on a team can do to make life better for everyone on the team. Um, so some of it's like tooling and documentation and, and how to communicate knowledge and how to make how to eliminate kind of snags that, that pop up. Uh, that, that was a really good talk. And the last one is... It's this column in some Unix magazine that I've never heard of called The Slow Winter. But it's basically this satire about – oh, man, it sounds so dumb when I say this. I feel stupid. But it's it's amazing. It's this satire about performance optimization. It's just this guy writing. It's like Lewis Carroll was a hardware engineer and wrote the Alice in Wonderland of uh, Branch Prediction. It's amazing. (laughs) It's it's like two pages long, and it made me laugh out loud. It's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, so those are my picks.
1: All right, well, um, I've got a couple of picks. Actually, probably just one. No, I've got two. So the first one is I finished Portal 2, and I was looking for another game to start playing. And a lot of people were telling me to go check out League of Legends, and I'm enjoying it. I'm still very new at it, and so I very suck at it, but I'm enjoying it. So... Oh, you're um,
4: playing the internet's best uh, cyberbullying simulator.
2: It is such a bullying game, but I started playing it, and my self-esteem is at an all-time low. <laughs> I almost didn't make it to the show because I was being bullied so hard last night. Oh, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, dude, you know they have like this whole tribunal review system because the community is just so bad. We'll oh, wow. have to
4: talk about this after. I've, yeah, got, sorry. I've got stuff to say about that game. Yeah, I haven't.
1: <laughs> I haven't had any issues yet. Of course, I tell people I'm new, and then no one will talk to me. Maybe that's it. But uh, anyway, so uh, but just getting in and running around and killing stuff is awesome. So uh, that's one pick, and the other pick is uh, Reflector app. It's an app that uh, allows you to do AirPlay from your iPhone or iPad to your Mac. Um, you can do it to, you can do airplay to like the Apple TV and stuff. And now they've got the airdrops. You can do that to other iPhones and iPads, but it's really awesome to be able to do airplay to my Mac. And so then if I'm recording a screencast, then I can run through it and I can say, Hey, here's, here's how I use this on my iPhone. In fact, I did that yesterday. I recorded a five minute video on how I use Evernote for my mastermind group. And part of that was, hey, here's how I use it, and here's here's why I really like it is because it syncs to my phone and I can do this kind of thing. Anyway, uh, those are my picks. Thanks for coming, John. Really appreciate Woo! you coming.
3: Yeah, thank thanks. you. Thanks, thanks for having brilliant. me. I've been I've been wanting to uh, jump on a, a podcast for a while. Ever since I, I heard you all talk with the Mutools guys. So. Oh, awesome! Thanks. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, now you now you're web famous because you were on our show, right? <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> yeah,
4: hopefully this can uh, lead to great things in your career.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe a few people will hear about that project you got. What was it called? <laughs> yeah, we will want some props in, in
5: tiny future.
3: Tiny dash or something. Yeah, like
0: yeah, a tiny dash. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. We'll,
4: we'll
0: want
5: a note in your uh, eulogy. All right.
1: Well, thank yeah. <laughs> now no, before I wrap up, I do need to mention our silver sponsor, and he was actually picked today. It's Reg Braithwaite with his JavaScript Allonge, whatever. So uh, go check it out. Go listen to the episode we did with them on the book because it's awesome.
3: Cool. Beautiful.
1: All right. Well, thanks for coming. We'll wrap this up. We'll catch you all next week.